for storytelling. The art of storytelling engages multiple areas of your brain. It allows multiple connections, and through those connections, our memory is increased. So as we hear stories told, you get smarter. See, so you think you're sleeping through a sermon. You're really getting smarter because you're hearing it. We have long used storytelling to pass on wisdom, knowledge, and culture through the generations before they were finally printed in written form. Humans have been telling tales since the beginning of time, or at least that's how the story goes. In Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21, we're told that God instructed the Israelites about his word, telling them this, you shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart, on your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as a frontal on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your sons may be multiplied on the land in which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens remain above the earth." So why use stories this month to celebrate the greatest story ever told? Because stories, they're our primary tools of learning and teaching. Good stories are the repositories of our lore and legends. So sit back this month and enjoy the stories that you will hear. From Christmas trees to Christmas trains to Santa's sister and even the Grinch. I know some of these sound a little strange. So if you're still not convinced, stop being a Grinch. And just think of it as one long illustration, but with pictures and someone else speaking. Stay with us, though, as we see how when we journey with God, it costs us. It captivates us. It challenges us. It changes us. And it changed the world. And it will change our lives. Listen as Mitzi reads The Gift of Christmas. reading specialist, one of my favorite things is just finding that perfect book. One of those books that just touches your heart and speaks deeper than any, anything we could say could. So today I picked one of my favorite Christmas books. It's called The Gift of Christmas. It's simple and it's repetitive, but some of the most cherished books are. And I'll admit, I'm super nervous today reading to a, a room of adults, but here we go. <laughs> this story is by Christine Leeson, and we decided instead of me flipping all the pictures and those of you in the back not being able to see, they'll be on the screen for you today. It was Molly Mouse's first Christmas. The sky was streaked with pink and gold, and there was a tingle in the air. Through the window of a house, something was shining and glittering into the night. What is that, Mom? asked Molly. It's a Christmas tree, said her mother. People, people cover it with shiny balls, lights, and stars. I wish we had a Christmas tree, sighed Molly. Well, why don't you go into the woods to find one, said her mother. You could make it look just as nice as that tree in the window. Molly thought that this was a great idea. She called her brothers and sisters together, and off they all scampered. On the way to the woods, they came to a barn. The mice rummaged through it, looking for something to add to their tree. Under a big pile of hay, Molly found a doll. 
This is like the doll on the top of the Christmas tree in the window, she said. It will be just right for our tree. But the doll belonged to someone else. Grrr, said the old farm dog. That's mine. Don't chase us, cried Molly. I only thought the doll would look nice on our Christmas tree. The old dog yawned. It was true that sometimes he chased mice. But because it was Christmas, or because he remembered the Christmas tree in the farmhouse and how he used to play with the children there, he said the mice could borrow his doll. The mice left the barn and walked across the barnyard, carrying the doll. They came to the edge of the woods. Hey, Molly shouted, I see something else we can put on our Christmas tree. It was a gold ribbon hanging from a branch of an oak tree. Molly scampered up the trunk, took hold of the ribbon, and pulled. But the ribbon belonged to a magpie. She had taken it to line her nest. Please don't be angry, said Molly. I only wanted the gold ribbon for our Christmas tree. Usually the magpie chased mice, but because it was Christmas, or because she has always been admiring that Christmas tree in the window, she let go of the ribbon. Molly took it, thankfully. In the distance, Molly saw some shiny round things lying on the ground. They were like the shiny balls on the Christmas tree in the window. Exactly what we want, cried Molly, running to pick one of them up. Now we have a doll, a gold ribbon, and a shiny ball. But those shiny balls belong to a fox. Those are my crab apples, he barked, and I'm saving them for the cold days ahead. But we only thought they would look good on our Christmas tree, said Molly, trembling. The fox sniffed. He did chase mice most of the time. But because it was Christmas, or because he had never seen a Christmas tree before, he went back into the woods. Molly picked up a shiny crab apple and carried it away. Twilight was falling as the mice went deeper into the woods. There, in the middle of a bramble bush, they could see a shining star and a dozen tiny lights glittering green and gold. Stars for our tree, shouted Molly. Let me get them. But when Molly reached into the bush, she found not stars but a collar belonging to an angry mother cat. She had her kittens with her and her three and their three pairs of eyes shone in the dark. Oh no, gulped Molly. I only wanted something sparkly for our tree. The cat pricked her ears. She always chased mice. But because it was Christmas or because she remembered the Christmas tree, in the cozy home where she had been a kitten, the mother cat slipped off her collar and she let the mice have it for their tree. At last in the clearing, in the deepest part of the woods, the mice found a large evergreen tree. Our Christmas tree, cried Molly. They hung the doll, the ribbon, the crab apple, and the cat's collar on their tree branches. Oh, said Molly when they had finished. It doesn't look at all like the tree in the window. Sadly, the mice turned away 
Disappointed, they all walked back home and went straight to bed. In the middle of the night, the mother mouse woke up Molly and her brothers and sisters. Come with me, she whispered. I have something to show you. The mice scurried along behind their mother, past the farm, and into the woods. Other animals hurried on ahead of them into the deepest part. At last, the mice reached the clearing where Molly's Christmas tree was. Molly stood completely still. Her eyes grew large and round. Oh, look at that, she cried. During the night, the animals had all added decorations to their Christmas tree. The frost had come and touched everything with glitter. The little tree sparkled, and even the stars in the sky seemed to be caught in its branches, with the biggest and brightest star right at the very top. Our Christmas tree is even better than the one in the window, cried Molly happily. And because it was Christmas, all the animals from the woods sat quietly around the tree at peace with each other. And they all sang Silent Night. When I think about the story that Mitzi read, 
Molly the mouse sets out on a journey because she saw what she thought was Christmas perfection in that farmhouse window. But what about when Christmas isn't perfect or filled with adoration? Remember also in the story when Molly was sad because she looked up at the tree that her and her friends had decorated by themselves. It wasn't at all like the Christmas tree she saw in the farmhouse window. Have you ever been there? Your Christmas picture is not Instagrammable. Your turkey isn't Martha Stewart scrumptious. Your Paula Deen ooey gooey butter bars are a little too ooey gooey. Your presents aren't wrapped beautifully and carefully placed under the tree. Truth be known, your Christmas lights are only half lit and the season has you at the end of your wits and it's all you can do to get everything together before the big day. And some of you southern women, you're the worst because not only do you have to have a Pinterest-worthy Christmas, you have to do it wearing pearls. I don't know what that's all about, but it's trendy. (laughs) If we're not careful, like Molly, we'll miss it. We can get so caught up in the idea of, of what Christmas should be, what that perfect Christmas should be, that we miss the most amazing part, that the God of the universe sent His one and only Son to live among us. But what if it's more than just not having the perfect Christmas? After all, the Christmas season can leave even the most patient person feeling a little impatient. I mean, let's just call it out and say what it is. The traffic is horrible. The lines are long. The demands seem to be everywhere. No lie. I'll back up just a second. I ventured out on Thursday after Thanksgiving because and I was at Walmart. I like, like to see what people do. Social experiments. <laughs> I got in line with my sister-in-law to pick up a couple things for our nephew. And the lady behind us had a grocery cart. You know what was in it? food she had no cds no early black friday pre-black friday savings items there were no toys there were no nothing it was food and i looked at her cart and i looked at what was in my sister-in-law's cart and i looked in the cart behind her and she kind of made eye contact with me while i was looking at all this stuff and she goes yeah i didn't think about the lines i just thought i need to do my grocery shopping and it's Thursday, and this is when I go grocery shopping. <laughs> this Walmart in Orlando, Florida was packed out. They had people like doing like crossing guards, sending people into lines. And that's just it. I mean, we even sometimes forget that that's what everybody else is doing. And this lady just got caught up waiting probably 30 minutes in line just to get her normal groceries. She wasn't even fighting for like a $10 toaster. She just wanted food. The lines are long. <laughs> The demands seem to be everywhere, even when you're not Christmas shopping. You're just doing your normal survival mode shopping. So if Christmas has you feeling a little impatient, remember he, the Prince of Peace. Perhaps the holiday parties that are coming at you, you're already thinking they're just too much. Your, your partially introverted self just can't seem to take the hustle and bustle and the demands of the season. Remember he, the wonderful counselor. Maybe the finances aren't really there to provide your loved ones with the special gifts you feel they deserve. Remember he, the Lord of all. Or maybe the season reminds you of the ones you can no longer spend it with. And Christmas just doesn't feel the same without them. And 
For some of you, this is the first Christmas you will spend without someone. Remember He, the Comforter. 2 Corinthians 2, 1 and 3, 1 verse, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. And maybe this is for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Whatever it is this Christmas that could distract you from His presence, I challenge you to accept His promises that I've shared with you. Take time to reflect on the beauty, the true celebration of this season. You remember in the story, Molly walked away from the tree sad because it just wasn't what she thought it should be. And her mother brought her back to see the beauty of what the animals did together. There's no doubt the journey with Christ is going to cost us. Maybe for you, the Christmas season is just a tough season for whatever reason. I want to challenge you to come back to the reason for the season. In this story, each animal gives something to make the tree more beautiful. Each one of us will need to count the cost as well when we journey with God, allowing His love to captivate us. After Molly discovers the tree in the farmhouse, she goes on a journey. She goes on a journey through the forest in which she encounters different animals or different items belonging to different animals. That each of these animals, in some right, would normally, well, eat her because she was a mouse and they were other animals. But they all agreed to count the cost, so to speak. And not only did they give up what they would normally do to chase her, but they gave up their item. Why? Because it's Christmas. Each animal does so for a different reason. You see, Molly's story resonates with each of them differently. She says, but I, I just want to make a Christmas tree like I saw in the farmhouse. And she tells that, and the dog gives up the doll that was his favorite toy. We don't know why. Maybe he remembered playing with the kids in the farmhouse, if dogs remember that way. I don't know. The magpie. I love that picture where she's hanging on the ribbon and the, and the magpie's holding it like, the magpie gives her the yellow ribbon. She was going to use that to line her nest and keep her warm during the winter months, but she counted that cost. And because it was Christmas, she let her have the ribbon. The fox gave up the crab apples that he was storing to get him through the winter. The mother cat, the nemesis of all mice, let her have her collar, even though she would usually chase mice. And then even after all of that, the tree was kind of haphazard and Molly was sad. And during the night, the other animals all gave up something to be used as decorations for the Christmas tree. And because it was Christmas, all the animals in the woods gave up what they would normally do. And they sat quietly around the Christmas tree with one another. All because a little mouse was willing to count the cost. We also need to decide because if you want to pursue a journey with the Savior, you need to count the cost. Like this young man, he stopped, it, he stopped Jesus and he asked him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who is good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. And the man said, Well, what in particular? 
And Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the young man said, I've done all of that. What's left? And Jesus said, if you want to give, just give it all you've got. Go and sell your possessions. Give everything to the poor. Then all your wealth will be in heaven. Then come follow me. I got to tell you, that was the last thing that young man expected to hear from Jesus. And the Bible says, so grieving, he walked away. You see, he was holding on too tightly to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to let them go. He wasn't willing to count the cost. Brothers and sisters, on this journey with our Lord and Savior, we must be willing to count the cost. We must be willing to let go of some things. And it's not just money that we need to be generous with. For, for some, that would be easy. But we need, to be, we, we need to count the cost of our time. A month ago, I asked you all to count that cost as you picked up an ornament and decided as a family how you would participate in the Christmas Revolution. I challenged you as a family to get one of these paper ornaments and to take it home and to write down on the back of the ornament the name uh, of a mission or a family or something in the community that was on your heart. And then I challenged you to discuss your Christmas budget. I got real personal with you. We talked about your money. And I challenged you to, to look at your Christmas budget, to look at your Christmas list, and to plan generosity for this week, for this Sunday. And once you had your Christmas budget and your list of people, I asked you as a family to talk about that and talk about what it would look like to cut your Christmas budget so that by giving less to your family, you could give more into the community and be a reflection of Christ. And then donating that cut to the family, to a mission, to a community program, whatever it is, and, and write those things down on the back of the ornament. And then I said, hey, put that ornament in your house where everyone in your house will see it and be reminded of it. And I'm excited to say that as I visited with some of you in your homes, I've, I've seen the ornaments. These little ornaments have caused a little bit of excitement for some of you. One family shared with me how they were making a donation to the Rose of Sharon uh, ministry here in town in memory of a loved one who was very passionate about that ministry in our community. And they said, you know, you, you preached that sermon about generosity, and we got to thinking about them and said, hey, that's what we're going to do. Like, they knew right away. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Another family said to me, we really don't give Christmas presents to one another. And they said, but as a family, we're going to commit our time to serving at some specific places in our community that could really just use the man hours. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that one. I was like, that's genius. And I would leave those conversations thinking to myself, the Christmas revolution has arrived at Huntsville Christian Church. Viva la revolution! I am blessed to serve alongside of all of you. I've, I've had conversations with others about what they're doing and, and their plan for this little ornament and what they've written on the back. And it's anonymous. I'm, I'm holding one right now that was given to me. It has no name on it but it has the amount that they want to give and it, and it says to a needing family and they gave me some instructions on that and we're going to see to it that that, that gets taken care of. And I, I just, I'm excited. Because here's the thing. At the end of the story Mitzi read, Molly looked up and she saw 
the tree she had decorated in all its glory, but it was only like half a tree. It was more like Charlie Brown's little tree. And by themselves, they weren't enough to create the beautiful tree she had wished for. But in the end, because all of the animals came together, all of the other animals had counted the cost, the tree was transformed. And so today, as we bring our ornaments, my prayer has been this month that as families, you've counted the cost, you've considered what that looks like. And whatever we have, no matter how small or how large, whatever we bring as a gift to God, He promises that when we are faithful, that He will be faithful. Luke 6, 38 tells us, Give, and it will be given to you. He says, They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured in return. I got to tell you, this is not a, the Christmas revolution. It's not a gimmicky thing about outgiving God or, or any of that kind of stuff. It's, it's simply that give and it will be given to you. Yours, by your standard of measure, by your gift, above and beyond your offering, by taking from your family to give to others, God's taking note. So now I want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and take out your ornament with your family. And if you forgot yours at home or maybe you haven't had a chance to get one, we've got some extra ones. They're right over here in the corner. I'll give you some direction on that. There's some pins over there as well. Um, but I want everybody right now, I want you to just take out your ornaments and, um, and, and just get with your family and take out your offering as well because we're going to do this all at once. And it, it may be a little chaotic, but it's going to be fun because it's like one big family Christmas kind of family reunion thing, and it's going to be really awesome. Um, but I want us to take a moment, and before we do anything else, I just want you with your family to silently pray and ask God to bless the gift that you're bringing, to, to bless whatever you wrote on the ornament, and, and to bless your offering. Just go ahead and do that, and in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give some instruction on, on how we're going to respond to God's word today. Go ahead and just, just pray about that ornament. Pray about your offering. Father God, we come to a, a time in our service where we're going to bring you our, our gifts and our offerings. And Lord, you know what's on every one of our hearts. And your word says that we should bring our gifts and, and be joyful givers. And, and I pray that that's what we reflect here today as we celebrate the birth of your son. As we pause at the beginning of what can be a very hectic time and, and for some a sad time, an emotional time. But Lord, I ask that right now the, the gifts that we bring, the tithes and the offerings that we are bringing to your house, Lord, I pray that they will be multiplied just in the way that you can do math, that needs will be met both locally, internationally. Lord, I ask that whatever we've written on these ornaments as families, whether it's to, to serve someone else, to, to offer our, our physical labor, our man hours to a project, to uh, maybe it's something financial. 
whatever's written on these ornaments, Lord, I pray that it was written with a grateful and a sincere heart. And I pray that as we get closer to Christmas, we, we get that fever, and I pray that as we get closer to Christmas and that we see more shiny things we want that will be remembered, will remind one another that we're not doing that this year because we gave to others. And that we'll do that, that reminder with a joyful heart. Lord, I thank you for these families. I thank you for the good that is going to come from these little paper ornaments and the Christmas revolution and the challenge and those who have accepted it. And so it's in your son's name that we bring these gifts to honor him. Amen. Now, here's the time for us to respond to God's word and to his invitation to journey with him. And so what I ask you to do is, is in just a second, we're going to play music and ask you to sing along and bring your ornament and bring your offering. Now, I have a little direction for you. I want to make it as, as seamless as possible. And so if you can, and we have a good flow, come down the center aisle here and go to the tree first. Put your ornament on the tree. And then you can go to the offering plate, place your offering there. If you brought an ornament, and with your ornament you brought a check for missions or something like that, make sure on there that it says Christmas Revolution somewhere so that the people counting know what to do with it, but just put that in the offering plate as well. Um, and then just continue down the side and go back to the back of the room back and make your way back to your seat. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to sing two or three songs while we're doing this, and we're going to have fun and, and be encouraging to each other. And, and so just as we bring our gifts to the Lord, will you stand, first of all? We'll make it easy on everybody. And then sing with us as we respond by bringing our ornaments and bringing our gifts and our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. Will you sing this with us?